Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. baseball is finally here why don't you say real baseball is actually here well i mean that's here too <laughs> yes <laughs> it's good to watch it's nice to uh nice to have some something to zone into zone out of fantasy baseball wise mlb wise how are you feeling i'm feeling not so great about either right now twins are mm. you know going okay I will tell you that my fantasy MVP, personal fantasy MVP of the weekend, is Byron Buxton, who did manage to steal two bases in three games. And drop to what, like ninth? From the eighth spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's batting eighth. He's batting eighth. I mean, there is there is a logical reason for him to bat eighth. He cannot show, he cannot like demonstrate that he gets on base regularly. Yeah, that's... To bat high in the order. Yeah, that's not good. But he's still still doing what I want him to, stealing bases. That's all I need from him. A lot of the base stealers are being moved down in the order. Turner, Hamilton, Buxton. Indeed. Yep. I think, uh, I don't know how that's going to affect things. We'll have to keep an eye on that. That's something that I do want to keep an eye on is um, growth chart accumulation for stolen bases specifically. Yeah, no, that's going to be a good one. Which is always a gnarly one because of all the, because uh, it moves in single steps. Because it's so discreet. Very piecewise function. Yeah. I'm feeling yeah. pretty good about my my socks, and I'm feeling all right about my fantasy team. It's doing exactly what I had expected it to. <laughs> Your fantasy team? Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that's good, because to be honest, your predictions from uh, podcast 2.04 where I made you do some over-unders, did, did not pan out so yeah, well. Yeah, I know. They're... In the, the first plate appearance one. Although, I'm going to give you a pass on two of them. So let's, let's just run down these quick. Uh, you know, you you this was important to you. Miguel Cabrera's first home run, he's already hit a home run, so that's a good mm-hmm. sign. But uh, he did hit it to right field, which I think is a better sign. You predicted left. Yeah, I know. It's a better sign that he's back to, to who he is, right? So... I, I mean, I take that to be a real positive. I think you were even a little bit more pessimistic. Uh, we predicted that Greg Bird would actually hit a ball this year, uh, which does not appear to necessarily be the case yet. We are not we'll, uh, looking good there. <laughs> we'll table that one. But somebody who is looking good, despite just completely destroying their knee, Adam Eaton. You were pessimistic on him, but he singled in his first at-bat. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit concerned. I mean... A knee injury, it's going to be something where we're going to start to see some wear and tear here potentially later in the season. Yeah, okay. So you're saying that that's something we should still keep an eye on. But he looks good. He looks good through the first weekend. He does. He does look pretty good. I think somebody is totally legit. Somebody who we are not going to see for a long time, Madison Bumgarner. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you predicted that you predicted he would throw a first pitch over 90 miles an hour. Well, maybe, but it's have, not going to be for a while. have to wait on that one. <laughs> And then Noah Syndergaard. Did you see any of that game versus the Cardinals? No, I didn't. He really took care of them. 
<laughs> yeah, he was. He, uh, he was dealing, right? He was dealing. You predicted that he would get his first strikeout on a sinker. I asked you if it would be a sinker or a slider. Turns out he's actually going to use his fastball, fastball. as a strikeout fastball. pitch this year. Super weird. First two were first two were fastballs, and then he got DeYoung, who is also looking good as a side note um, on a slider. Yeah, I had Paul DeYoung. I had liked him and just never felt like pulling the trigger in a draft. Nah, it just didn't quite make sense. I didn't like where he went in ours. Anyway, so. Oh, I thought that was like the exact right spot for him. So, today on the pod, we are going to talk about a data collection problem that we've been working on, looking at ownership data. And then in the second half, we're going to talk about doing some player spot checks using the ESPN trends and figure out whether we think some players are going in the right or the wrong direction and what we can possibly infer about the people from that. Take it away on the description. So we're a bit like Cambridge Analytica now here, Mike. Web scraping all over the place. <laughs> collecting databases longitudinally. Are we going to be profiling every single MLB player? Their wants and likes? No, <laughs> no, no, no. We're profiling the people that are picking up the players. Right, you're right. All of the... <laughs> We're more like Cambridge Analytica than you think. You're right. And this is, yeah, this is going to really get into it um, as we, we talk about the different places where we're collecting collecting our data. That's right. So this week's theme was getting into, getting into fantasy baseball, um, getting ready for ad drops, right? Um, and so perfect time to start chatting about ownership data. Mike, why is ownership data so important? Ownership data is crucial to know which way the wind is blowing. So to have a sense of what other guys in your league are likely to do, because so much of fantasy baseball is not only finding the best players, but finding the best players before the other guys in your league, and figuring out what the other guys in your league are likely to do so that you can play against that. We're through drafting, but I heard a lot of fantasy analysts, still a weird thing to say, um, really taking ADP to the woodshed. And it's like, well, you know, well, it's sort of on the meta argument of like, well, you shouldn't pay attention to ADP because you should just get your guys at the right places. It's like, yeah, then ADP is the Mm. tool to tell you where those players are likely to, to be taken. That's exactly why I think that it's worth using. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm in total agreement. No, no, no. Right. No, I, I'm just saying, I'm I'm saying that we both agree that we need to use ADP. So maybe maybe there's a line in the sand being drawn now. Maybe this is like the fantasy baseball sabermetric revolution. This is like, yeah, we're back. <laughs> You're on the hill like the uh, old school scouts being like, no, you need to look at the pitchers. <laughs> um. I want to know more about like the players that why some players are still owned when they're clearly not producing. You know what I mean? So, okay. Like, um, I think specifically there's a year that I traded for John Lester. It was his one down Mm. year in the last, since like 2010, I think it was like 2011 maybe 2011 2012 2012 probably um and he was horrible he was horrible 
but I owned him the entire year, and he was owned in like ninety percent of leagues. And I want to know more about those kind of players. Like, where's hmm. like who are the kind of the blue chip stocks that are held far longer and through the end of the season? And is there a See, way that we can then um, take advantage of that? Sell those players to the right people. That's an interesting one. That's one that that's something that we might not have the data to answer for a number of years. Honestly, I mean, I think unless we we can sort of try and create an ad hoc model, right? Try and figure out what we expect the functional form for a bunch of archetypal players to be. In the sense that, what do we expect the functional form of a of the ownership to look like for a a rookie who's just been called up like we expect there to just be like a stair a step function right like it's it's going along at some level they get called up and boom they're suddenly at a much higher level but with somebody like john lester who might be falling off over time or a blue chipper you i'd be curious to know how fast the fall off happens so i mean is it is it just like an, an exponential is it an exponential decay can we come up with sort of a half-life for these guys for ownership and try and predict when they're going to be owned. I mean, I think that we have to start with some sort of functional form, and that's partly what I wanted to to ask you about today. But that might be a little bit too advanced. I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, whatever. We'll find out. Uh, just I want to be a little bit like a radio show. We're talking about ownership data. Ownership data is um, for any given website. It's the um, percent of leagues within which a given player is owned. So, for instance, Mike Trout is owned <laughs> in 99.9 repeating percent of leagues. <laughs> There's got to be some league where he's not owned out of spite. There's got to be some league that he's not owned because there's some really, really specific rule that's like whenever Mike Trout hits a home run, it's actually negative one point regardless and then there are players That's who right. are and then that goes from everywhere from 100 percent down to zero percent and um it's very interesting information to look yes. at because unfortunately not every league is the exact same so you're kind of to get the ownership information you're looking across different platforms you know i i actually don't know how unfortunate that is i think that that oh, think actually gives us I think it's helpful because I think it's more generally applicable then because you've got all these different types of leagues right. that it balances out. Dimensionality. So in the sense that you can trust that this will on some level be applicable to your league because this is the you know the central limit theorem of all of the conceivable leagues out mm -hmm. there. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, unless unless your league is specifically designed to be at odds with ESPN standard game <laughs> or the CBS, or CBS standard, standard game. game. Yeah. As we're yeah. going to be talking about or the Yahoo standard game. I mean, unless you're specifically designed against that, this should be totally applicable. Yeah. Good point. So now that we're back on, on the right ground on ownership. Um, <laughs> so in talking about this, this topic as we kind of were given the prompt um, per usual, we started down two parallel paths as we started to get into this. Um, you dove into ESPN, um, and then I dove into CBS. 
Uh, so we're going to have this word kind of like talking around right now is that we're looking at two behemoths within the, the fantasy world and their, their, their platforms, but they are two different data sets that we're starting to dive into. And we started to like, look at different things. So Mike, why don't you walk us through what you had in mind when you started getting into this, you've already passed me your code, very useful. Um, but why don't you, you, you walk through what you're trying to get at and what you did? Well, so I want to know the guys that are long-term trending positive or long-term trending negative. And that is going to mean assembling a data set over quite a bit of time. Right, not just the peaky players, because the peaky players are fun. Um, but they, yeah, you're right. It's just a flash in the pan. Most of these players are going to be injuries. Yes. I mean, as losing or gaining jobs. Spot check in the second half. We're going to test that theory. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, really good stuff. What I was doing, uh, what I did was sort of on, in your mind of mm. starting to put together the database of all players. And so CBS, I spent a lot of time figuring out how to do web scraping in CBS. And um, do they have do they have it outward facing or do you have to go no. into a leaf? <laughs> no, they yeah, don't. So and annoying. That's, and that's what I spent a bunch of time doing was figuring out how to use um, the so for the data nerds out there, the mechanized site package in Python to create mm -hmm. a web browser object. This is really going to get into Python. Create a web browser no, object, like go to the URL of the login page, and then fill in the form with my username and password. Yep. Click in, in Python terms, click, I mean, submit that page, and then have the authenticated web browser to then grab all of the data on the inward-facing um, website. Jeez. And so that's what I've been doing a lot to grab stats, to grab um, results in our league, et cetera. And I had, um, at one point last year, had put it together for an ownership model and felt like time to dust it off and actually make it, make it work pretty. Um, and so that's what I did. So I now have three, three days worth of data. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I put together this this graph for you. I called it the ownership model graph, and you very quickly said, "Is this really an ownership model, or is this really just data?" And it's it's really just data. So all this has, and I'll post this up to uh, the twitters. Uh, all this has is the ownership rank is the x-axis, and ownership percent is the y, and this is a nice even curve. I mean, this makes perfect sense, right? So there's there's a knee at 200, the ESPN standard game, or I, I wonder, does the CBS standard game have 10 teams? 10 teams, 20 it's players like 10 a teams team. 20, 20 player rosters, yeah. I mean. Yeah, it makes, yeah, that makes sense. And saying that the vast majority of those are the same 200 guys, which also makes sense. So that 200 mark, um, ownership rank 200, really corresponds with about the 80% and that's that knee that you're talking about. So mm -hmm. about 80% of players and above um, are top 200 players. And then it drops off fast. Mm. Drops off fast to 
400 where play there's only about 15 percent of those players owned 15 percent of leagues go deeper than 400 which is actually a bigger number that i might have expected right and that or there's a mix of you know player 200 to player or i guess it's not 200 player um 300 to player 500 it's sort of random who who you're gonna have right yeah sort of random in preference it's a mix of the two of them oh i totally yeah. agree i mean we, we showed this when we were looking at the um the ranking dispersion between experts yeah. right it starts to fall apart at the at the low end i mean after you get to 200 the correlation really starts to to get ragged this is really fun this is sort of the primer for everybody. I guess all that this really falls down to, the central thesis is look at ownership data. As you're getting into the ad drops here, use it as a tool to guide you in um, making sure that you're grabbing the players that um, other people think are, are relevant and ownworthy as well. Hope you're all as excited as we are that baseball's back. Here's an outtake. Big boy. As an aside, I was listening to the I was listening to the Brewers game for a minute today, mm-hmm. and he literally the Brewers announcer literally said that. Which, first of all, the Brewers announcer is one guy. There's no color commentary. It's just one dude, just stream of consciousness going through this game. Sort of like the the Dodgers guy. You should really catch a Brewers radio game. He goes, "Wow, he is a big boy." <laughs> it's just like, well, I guess you do run out of things to say when it's just literally you talking for three hours, huh? Yeah, no, absolutely. So we just talked about ownership data and modeling in the first half. So let's do a little spot check. I mean, I know you love to to ask whether things pass the smell test. And so let's do that right now and ask whether some of those guys that ESPN is touting as big ads or big drops pass the sniff test. First one, five guys that are going down. Their their ownership is is being decreased. Tell me the order that you think these are guys are going in that is from most dropped to least dropped. Let's just do a little spot checking here. All right, we got these are all the top five guys being dropped. Ian Kinsler, Steven Souza Jr., Greg Bird, Mark Trumbo, Mike Zunino. First of all, you want to make any comments about what all those guys have in common? <laughs> Yeah, no, they're they're all injured, right? And that was what I was I was talking about before. Is part of the ownership isn't really about production in a granular sense. So this guy is starting to, you know, hit oppo, whatever. It's like, oh, this guy is not playing at all. Um, Steven Souza is the most dropped Aha. as of today. Okay. As of today, um, Greg Bird, Mark Trumbo. Uh, Ian Kinsler and Mike Zanino is actually in a in sort of a tier of his own. So Kinsler and Zanino are are both being a little bit less dropped, which makes sense. This is completely correlated with the length of their injury. <laughs> That's all this is. How much they're being dropped is totally correlated with the length of injury. And I I wish I had put together a model for this, but I haven't had a chance to yet. Um, this is something that I want to keep an eye on. So what I need to develop for this is to have an estimate. You know, I need I need now an extra column in this, which is an estimate, oh the stated estimate of how long they're going to be out for. Yeah, and it can't just be blockwise, ten games. I mean, right? Games. It can't be the DL one. So we, you actually have to go and look and see how long do people think they're going to be out for. I think this is going to be a labor of love. Yeah, <laughs> if that's what you want to call it. Or, sure. 
or just a total labor of hate yeah. in which case i will never do it but we'll find out <laughs> all right so how about guys going up the opposite um i'm i'm not going to make you rank these three because these are what i call the no-brainer prospects and they're a you know a, their own subset so these are guys that the prospect type machine has really started cranking along and their numbers are just skyrocketing. And I already know you disagree on one of these. So Matt Davidson, Scott Kingery, and is he a prospect? Jose Martinez. You know, I wouldn't call him a prospect because he came into the season. I mean, even Matt Davidson, I don't know like if he's a prospect. Yeah. But uh, Scott Kingery is... The problem is that Scott Kingery is like a... like perfect example of a prospect that's right yes so he 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 dilutes the other two so even if we don't want to call them prospects they're these they're relatively unproven guys that are being run through the hype machine right now and so this is one thing that we talked a little bit about last year which is trying to correlate news stories with how much guys jump in in stock and so that's exactly what we're seeing here these guys are getting are being talked about on blogs, on podcasts. I mean, we're not helping, I guess. And so their ownership numbers are just skyrocketing because it's probably the first time that a bunch of fantasy players have heard their name even at all. Right, and a lot of these, I, I'm talking about the at-bats last year for, for two of the three players. A lot of those happened in, in people's playoffs, fantasy playoffs, yeah. uh, you know, in on teams that didn't matter quite frankly yeah so i don't know why anybody would have heard about these players in, unless they were going deep in draft prep which i did for jose to hear about jose martinez but right there you go all right let me move on to the next tier down the guys that aren't quite as obvious see if you can tell me what these five have in common grandal castillo McCann, LaCroix, and Ionetta. Uh, Bob, these are catchers. So why is there a big run on catchers right now? I mean, Mike Zanino goes down, sure. Is this just everybody really, really, really weighted in their draft? I think so. I, I, I mean, is that what it is? And they're just they're just realizing, like, week one, oh, I'm upset with my catcher? I mean, there have only been four games. What could be causing an entire position to be shifting wholesale? I think I. I mean, I think that's it. All right. Uh, you care to, care to take a stab at ordering these? Who's the hot pickup on the catcher waiver wire right now? Wellington Castillo. He's the least. Ah, uh, darn, my buddy. So he did hit two home runs in Monday's game. Yeah. Um, I Grindall is Grindall is the hot one. Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy because you already know that he's. I mean, it's crazy to me because you already know that he's splitting his time. Yeah, but has Barnes gotten any at bats? <laughs> No, but he's splitting time. <laughs> um, Ionetta's the second most. That seems weird to me. He's gonna and be. Then, he's very soon gonna be the most dropped. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. McCann should be owned just fine. Um, Lacroix, I think, is somebody that I could see steadily increasing if he starts to show that he's not hurt. Yeah, I think Lacroix is the one out of this bunch. Grandal and Lacroix are the ones out of this bunch that have the most gain. I think. And that's, but that's either with playing time in Grandal's case, or uh, you know, performance, just staying healthy in Lucroy's case. I mean, that A's team, it's there. It's it's ready to to compete on the hitting side. 
Yeah, the pitching side, uh, we should note that AJ Puck did go down, so that's not as great for them. But no, 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 and Terrell Cotton. Yes, yeah. So they're, they're I don't know what they're gonna do there. Interesting to find out. Yeah, well, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, no, this is this is exciting. We got to do this again. Um, we should do this again sometime, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I like I like these little spot checks. Um, I think that the the ownership modeling does pass the sniff test in the sense that we can explain from what we know why these guys are going that way, and so we want to be able to invert that, which is make predictions about where guys are going based on what's happening in the news. Absolutely, we're like, I think this time we're we're on the right path to doing that. <laughs> Yeah, this time. <laughs> Are you about ready to wrap this sucker up? Yeah, let's move on and talk about some other sports. Uh, soccer, Ibrahimovic. Going to live in that Cali lifestyle. The uh, weirdest Swedish name ever. <laughs> but yes. Not. <laughs> yeah, coming to the galaxy. Uh, you like this move? You approve this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would retire to California too if I was 36, wealthy, and looking for somewhere that I'd be less famous <laughs> less famous but like you still can be famous when you want to be oh yeah oh my gosh like he can he can milk the fame as much as he wants but he can also still walk down the street probably no that's that's such a good move i think like all the, every soccer player in europe has got to go to the the mls at the end of their career i mean it's basically going to be they're all going to concentrate in new york and in la i mean does somebody really want to get stuck in Minneapolis Salt Lake I mean like (laughs) I can see Salt Lake being an interesting place to be like if you were like if you hadn't been able to ski for the last 10 years of whatever extreme contract they can oh I guess that's true yeah anyways last sport here NCAA basketball yeah um well we can definitively say that Kansas is not the winner nope (laughs) Nope, nope, nope. Uh, I think um, we we sort of had the right theory in the sense that Michigan is not a great team and is probably riding you know pedigree, coaching, everything to to the final. Um, yep. Villanova's got a great team, so that's not super surprising. Do you want to record the splits? So that, <laughs> or are you pretty confident that Villanova's going to win it here? No, I don't really care. If Michigan comes <laughs> back, that'll be really amazing so i think that brings us to review session Spaceballs. when was the last time that you'd watch this movie um i watched it in college like i watched it like college era like i didn't yeah. watch it in college that's not like what i imagine when i ima- when i watch Spaceballs. i imagine like high school sitting in my parents basement <laughs> watching this movie oh exactly yeah and so in the but the <laughs> I think maybe I'm. I appreciated the slightly. I mean, I appreciated everything from a nostalgia standpoint, hundred percent. But I appreciated some of the some some different lines. I think, and I think I can clearly see my own aging trajectory. That is, yeah, I I feel like the same, the, totally the same. Like I watched it the first time when I was in like fifth grade, fourth grade, or mm, something mm-hmm. like that, and I can remember laughing so hard it was like a group of guys i was laughing super hard and like all of us were like laughing really hard and like accidentally farting and then laughing really hard at that (laughs) it was like it was like 10 year old boys 
What a story. And, like, in watching this movie again, I can remember the places where I was laughing really hard that very first time that I watched it and sort of giggling at some of those and laughing more at some of those, the deeper kind of, the the more meta humor, the more uh, Mel Brooks humor. Right. The, the Mel Brooks meta humor is definitely a trend as well. Um, my favorite line, favorite line this time around, <laughs> even in the future, nothing works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Feels very prescient. Like it was, it's just as true now as it was in 1987. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, a- yeah, it's absolutely true. And did did the the line "evil will always triumph because good is dumb" hit a little too close to home? <laughs> yeah, it did, didn't it? <laughs> like, oh man, I have definitely lost a lot of the innocence that I had in high school. <laughs> where I thought, yeah, where you thought that's just just so silly. How about the sleep mode on uh, yes. Joan Rivers bot? Yes, that was amazing. Because it was yeah. 1987. 1987 really interesting stuff i the only reason i looked it up because i was trying to figure out where it fell in rick moran's movie lifetime that was before honey i shrunk the kids but after ghostbusters bingo yep ghostbusters but before ghostbusters 2 that's right right so right so that's exactly that was like this was before honey i shrunk the kids right so like really interesting career transition for him (laughs) Because then he goes and just mints money making those. Oh, yeah. I mean, does, he, does he ever have to work again? He's got a Disney ride. Or maybe that's Epcot. <laughs> I don't and, know. Uh, <laughs> what What do you want to highlight from it? The, I mean, like, as I was as I was saying, you know, there's the, like, there's a really immature humor that Mel Brooks loves and everybody loves. There's the, like, Mel Brooks meta humor the like let's pop in the vhs of the movie um which is like i find that kind of funny in the way that he does that and a lot of those the kind of like you know that kind of humor and then there was then there's like the the jewish humor and the adult humor that like totally i i know went over my head but like the not another druish princess like i know that yep. i didn't understand that as a kid what that what that was that's really true uh <laughs> yeah which is so i think you just really made my initial point again which is saying like that it, it means something totally different to me now than it did when i saw it the first time oh absolutely that was a, a very cheerful movie so I'm going to take it in a similar direction, try and not strike out on the misogynistic movies three for three here. And we're going to go with where, you know, you talked last week about how much you wanted to watch a Lord of the Rings or Lord of the Rings adjacent movie. So how about we watch Bilbo in a different environ and let's watch Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh Oh, Uh oh, interesting. Let's do it. Let's see what we think. Let's Came out in two thousand five. I know. I, I, I don't think I've seen the it since two thousand five. I'm in. All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, 
Mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.